Hello, FPL managers. Welcome to the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is episode number 41. In this podcast, we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is Sirtop, the data scientist. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. And today, it's not just the two of us, as we're joined by a special guest. It's Andy, better known as Let's Talk FPL on Twitter, where he has an impressive number of followers of above 250,000. Wow. Uh, we're honored to have you here in our podcast, Andy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolute, uh, absolute pleasure. I feel like a bit of a newbie, to be honest, when it comes to analytics. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into that a bit more. Oh, excellent. We'll certainly be talking about that. I can't really remember how we met the first time, but I mean, Andy was always famous uh, when I started FPL anyway, so I was asking him uh, about tips to record videos because I was recording some optimization tutorial videos at that time, and then Andy started asking me some questions about about expected value, uh, projected points, those kind of things. I think it was around October of 2021, and... Even though Andy is known with his, you know, uh, like the channel and the content, he's also a pretty good FPL manager. He's in Elite Analytics 64, which is uh, based on how good your decisions are based on analytical measures, I should say. And he's also active recently in Analytics Discord. And yeah, we, we talk with Andy quite often, uh, both things about analytics and, and FPL. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Yeah, and uh, it was a great idea, uh, Sir Top, to invite Andy. It's always interesting when we have a guest on our podcast. Um, so today in this episode, we'll definitely look at the next game week, as we usually do, uh, which now is game week 31. Uh, and of course, we can't avoid to talk about navigating future game weeks like 32, in which four teams were blank, and then game week 34, in which six teams will double. So Sirtop will talk us through the optimal plan later on. But before doing that, and before talking about the next game weeks, Sirtop and I prepared some questions for Andy. So let's start with those. Okay, uh, I will start. Um, so we know you as the most popular content creator in FPL. I mean, not only your follower count in Twitter is huge, but also in YouTube, you have lots of followers and subscribers, but tell us about your backstory, because I don't know how you have started, how you started playing FPL, how you started creating content and when was the breaking point in terms of deciding to do this in as a full-time uh, activity? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of starting, I think it's a very similar story to everybody else, really. Some friends decided they were going to start a mini league and they mm. invited me. And I thought, well, this is about football. I know mm. more than you lot and I need to win. <laughs> so that was basically how I got started with FPL. And as soon as I was invited in that league, I was like, right, well, I need to know how to best win this. So I Googled fantasy football tips. I found okay. the fantasy football scout website. And I started posting on there. And I, and I guess in terms of being part of the FPL community, whether that's on YouTube, Twitter, Fantasy Football Scout forums, that's coming on for 10 or 11 years now. So I've been involved in the community wow. one way or another for quite a while. And then creating content kind of came by accident. I was just bored one night. I believe it was the 30th of December, six years ago, I think, something like that. And I'm, I was kind of into 
video game stream and I always kind of wanted to be a video game streamer and I tried one night and uh, I just couldn't get it to work because my computer just wasn't good enough it just <laughs> wouldn't handle streaming and playing a game at the same time but what did work was just a webcam with a website on it aka FPL and just talking about that so I think it was a Saturday night like 1am or something I just posted <laughs> the link on Fantasy Football Scout said I'm going live and about 50 people joined for the first stream. And then I was just kind of hooked. I was like, well, if I've got 50 people on my first one, maybe I'll get 50 people the next one. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So that's how I started creating. And then I just built it up. So it was like one video a week or one video per game week. And then, okay, can I increase it to two? Can I increase it to three? And so it got to the point of doing it daily. And then... Wow. um yeah, going full time. I, I wanted to do that for a while, but I'm not. <laughs> I guess it comes hand in hand with FPL. I'm not a huge risk taker. So you know, some people just say, "Oh, you should follow your dream. Just quit your job and go for it." <laughs> I'm not like that whatsoever. Um, and my wife always said to me, "Happy to, for you to go full time as long as you keep contributing, contributing to the bills." The same, like basically, can you pay the mortgage? And if you can, then you can <laughs> go and do it. So I waited until that was looking quite likely. Um, okay. And I was also trying to, not that I really wanted to leave my other job because I didn't mind it that much, but I hated the commute and stuff like that. So working from home was like a big push for yeah. me. Uh, so I went to Fantasy Football Scout first, actually, and then I went solo on my own. So yeah, that's wow. that's kind of the journey of the last 10 or so years. Wow, that's in incredible. I mean, having a bad computer kind of help you to stay away from yeah, the game basically. streaming. But yeah, I think I watched that stream. I think I found the link to your first stream. It was yeah. very bad. <laughs> in terms of quality it was quite different i should say yeah not, oh, not even just that though i think like it, i know there's a question coming out later but even like a confidence thing like when you first start it's just you just need that practice so for sure yeah, yeah. that's why i've left it up there so people see there is like a, a progression if you keep on uh, it mm -hmm. okay i should look at it excellent wow great to hear about your background thanks for that yeah and, and for me I, I definitely follow you on twitter but to be honest I'm not sure where you stand on the whole data versus grass discussion. So, yeah, what type of manager are you in this game? I guess for a long time, I've always kind of dabbled in like using stats and data. But I suppose over the last three years is when I kind of started to learn it properly, uh, properly and started asking, you know, people, how does this work? What, what stats should I be yeah. using? What numbers should I be looking out for? So I've probably done that for the last three years. And I would say I definitely am these days more data driven okay. than just grass. Like, I don't even know, I guess grass people mean they watch it and they only solely pick players based on what they're seeing. I definitely don't do that. That's definitely yeah. not the case. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. From what I know about you, you have well started using more analytics over the years, especially last uh, like one or two years. You were always talking about the projected points, and we were talking about expected value. Um, apparently, well, well, obviously, existence of like models like FBI review helped a lot in this conversion. But mm -hmm. how did it change your gameplay? I mean, before the models, I mean, you started a long time ago. And then in terms of your gameplay, and how did it change it? And then also on top of this, how do you feel about existence of these models? Because, I mean, we were first using, I mean, people were using just probably eye tests. And then there were there was data from websites like Fantasy Football Scout. Then, then 
Then we had underlying stats like expected goals, expected assists, which helped us to understand a little bit better. And then prediction models. And that's mm. when I joined actually. And then nowadays solvers and optimization. So I always wonder how people who have been playing FBL for such a long time feel about these changes because I mean, obviously the game is evolving. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm quite laid back in general with anything in life. So I, I don't really mind how people want to play the game, what tools they use. It's mm. really up to them. Like it, how someone else plays doesn't really affect how I play. I, I get I get why people don't like them because they feel like the person that uses uh, an optimizer or a solver isn't making the decision. But as you'll know... Mm. If you use them, it doesn't quite work like that. There's still inputs that you need to decide. There could be close calls. You need to think about why you're going one way or the other. Um, but I kind of get why people think that way. But I, I don't really mind. I'm, I'm easy with however people want to play. I guess in terms of how things have changed, I can't really remember when I first started, but my earliest memory is just using data, but all sorts of stuff, touches in the box, shots in the box, shots in general, mm -hmm you know, passes, mm -hmm. passes in the final third, just a little bit of everything. And I suspect when I was using that, those numbers or that kind of data, it was probably more picking the numbers for the player that I wanted to go for. So yeah. so not using similar data for similar decisions, if that makes sense. So this player might have lots of shots in the box and that's the player I want. Therefore, that's the statistic that I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. And I think as I, as I got further along, obviously expected goals, expected assists came out. Um, and I just saw some people doing well with it season after season. I wanted to kind of understand a bit more. So I think it was like three or four years ago. I just put a tweet out saying, I want to use expected data more. I don't really understand it. You know, what should I be looking out for? Mm -hmm. and, I th and I remember the player I used as an example. It was Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and he had something like 0.4 and 0.5 XG per 90 the season before. And I said, that looks pretty good. And then I just started learning from there. So I think that was kind of the progression. It's like, play however you want, just go for gut feeling. Then it was all kinds of data. Then it was stripped down to expected data mostly. And then mm -hmm. on to kind of using solvers and, and, and stuff like that. I'd say that was the progression. Yeah, we did actually receive a Twitter question on this. Uh, FPL Kante asked, do you think with expected goals and expected assets data available, Data such as uh, shots on target or touches in the box individually carry much value anymore for FBL purposes. Do you even check them anymore? Not really. I mean, I, I sometimes do look at them because I think I think sometimes stats, even if they're not necessarily useful for predicting what's going to happen the next few game weeks, they still they can sometimes be interesting still. But I wouldn't say I use them for FPL purposes. I couldn't tell you the last time I looked at shots on target, shots in the box and stuff like that. It's, I, I pretty much strip it down to expected goals, expected assists on a per 90 basis. That's that's it. Just just one thing I would quickly say, actually, just on the previous question about gameplay. Mm -hmm. I think with analytics, like it's not just the numbers and the EV and the solvers and stuff like that. I think it's kind of the way that people that use analytics play. So stuff like ignoring form for the mm -hmm. most part. Um you know, why a double game week is so much more important than a single game week, how much value that extra game adds in terms of extra appearance points, double shot at bonus points and stuff like that. Um, mm. Variance, which I think the way the FPL community uses variance is not necessarily what it actually means, but that, that good decisions can have bad outcomes and that shouldn't affect how you next 
make a decision. Forgetting sayings like, yeah, but they can do damage in 30 minutes. If they're not starters, we probably don't want them for the most part. And it's just all those things that kind of tie into analytics. And I know, I know some of them are going to sound really obvious and people probably apply that whether they use analytics or not. But that's kind of stuff that I've learned in terms of gameplay over you know, the last few years. Yeah, well said. All right. Yeah, and our next question is coming from FPL Paz. He asks, how does Andy approach 50-50 decisions, especially when it comes to captaincy? Does he let analytics dictate that or more so gut feelings? I, I think with cap uh, people are going to hate you when I say this. I think with <laughs> captaincy, I'm more likely to use effective ownership to oh. make a 50-50 decision. And I gotta be honest, because I create content, sometimes it is just easier to go with the decision that's least like gonna punish me the most, right? So oh, if it's okay. close, if it's close between Salah and Saka, I can't think, I can't really think of a good example. But let's say it's close between mm. two players. One is a hundred percent owned. One is ten percent. I'll probably most of the time take the one hundred percent because I feel like I'm gonna react better if I don't get a huge drop in rank, whereas I know a lot of people will go the other way. Mm. They'll take the risky one because if it's that close anyway and it pays off, obviously you get the big rank increase. But I think usually I would go for the higher pay. I, I think this season's kind of been very punishing if you've gone against Harlan. <laughs> and so I, yes. find it I find it very difficult now to back against him in any week. Um, so maybe maybe that is playing on my mind a little bit. But yeah, I think 50-50, maybe effective ownership. I think it's hard to give like a, you know, this is the answer I do all the time because sometimes I'll leave decision to the last 30 seconds on a deadline stream and I just go with whichever one, you know, is on my mind at that time. Whereas if I had another hour to think about it, maybe I'd go the other way. So there's not really a one way that I, I call these decisions. But for captaincy, I, I would take effective ownership into account quite a lot, I think. All not right. all the time, though. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting listening to you, and it reminds me also a bit how I started or how Sirtop and I, when we started playing together in the mini-league, started. Because I think Sirtop, uh, you were completely on the data side, yeah. uh, often not even watching games, just picking players based on data, not knowing <laughs> who they were. <laughs> uh, and I was a bit uh, completely on the other side, just doing everything based on eye test and you know gut feeling. And I moved a little bit more to the data side. And I think by now, Sirtop also started to watch a few more games. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting closer to each other. Uh, yeah. And I guess a lot of us are on that kind of uh, uh, road. All right. Uh, I also find it really interesting um, that people like yourself are reaching so many people with their FPL content and can even do it full time now. That's pretty amazing. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, as a content producer with a lot of followers, do you feel also extra pressure to do well each season? And related to that question, do you do anything special uh, to kind of safeguard your, your mental health? Uh, do, you know, what do you do to switch off, for example? Yeah, I, I, I do feel a bit of extra pressure. I've, it's definitely yeah. more difficult, especially in the Twitter mentions and the, the YouTube comments when things are going badly. I, I did a podcast recently with uh, James on Planet FPL. He asked something similar, and I was saying that you know, if we get to game week 10 or something, and I'm like ranked 1 million, then lots of the comments, or at least some of them will yeah. be, well, I'm ranked 80,000, so why should I listen to you and stuff like that? So it's yeah. just easier to be 
higher ranked and it is yeah. probably pressure off um when that happens but i don't i don't really worry about it too much because i think anyone that's watching or consuming content whether that's listening watching or reading the people that will stick around are the people that won't be like that anyway and they're probably the people that you want to stick around people that are saying they shouldn't listen to me because they're ranked like 10,000 places higher or 100,000 if they mm. don't stick around so be it they're probably not people that were going to stick around anyway so try not worry about mm. it too much um but at times this season it has felt quite brutal in terms of the amount of noise especially around Salah and Harland earlier yeah. this season like that was such brutal switch. I still stick by the fact it wasn't such a bad decision as the outcome, but that was absolutely brutal going for Salah that many times and uh, it just never paid off. So yeah, it can definitely can be more pressure. Um, in terms of safeguarding mental health and switching off, I, I probably don't and I probably should more uh, okay. do that. I find like I never really switched off, to be honest oh. with you, because... <laughs> Deadline comes, I do my stream, then I'm checking the results, then I'm watching games, I'm thinking about FPL, what that means for next week. Um, And and in some ways it helps because when I go into my videos for the next week, I don't necessarily have to then do loads of extra research because I've already kind of done it at the weekend mentally. Mm -hmm. But it would also probably be good at times to just completely switch off, especially if you're having a bad week or a a bad time. There was a few times at the start of the season where I just wouldn't check the results for, for Saturday and then I'd log on and see that Salah had blanked again. I was like, I just wish I'd never checked and waited till Sunday. So, yeah, yeah, I probably should. The one time I really – I am trying to be better at this. So, for like – during the summer, for example, until FPL starts back up, I really probably won't do too much at all. And, like, if it's the first week of an international break where content doesn't usually get consumed quite as much as in the second week, I will try and switch off a bit more. But during the season, I don't really do it at all. I don't think it's that healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good that you mentioned the summer because I just wanted to ask you. I know from the FPL general, I always listen to his podcast that he's quite strict with the summer breaks, really switch off and and start quite late again with producing content. And I think Sir Talb and I, we started our podcast, I think, what was it last year? May or June, really end yeah. of the season. And we kind of kept growing through summer. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it was the first season for us, so that was fine. But I think by the time it was Game Week 1, you know, we already had produce quite some content so i think uh for this year we'll probably take a break as well yeah, yeah it's, it's quite a, it's quite a if you're doing content every game week it's a very long season so i think yeah. any t- any chance you get to take a break you should you know definitely do that i think the period from when so fpl stops on the 28th of may this season so until until it's back up probably at the start of july i would say all content producers mostly just take a break yeah okay great I have a question about streaming and so what was the best FPL stream you had in all these years that kind of made you feel happy and or satisfied and I'm asking in the sense of what's the most memorable to you uh, in all this time? Yeah I think a couple I mean this year was pretty cool because on the first game week one deadline stream I think we peaked at 32 and a half thousand live viewage which is just mental i'm not really sure how this keeps happening but that was pretty cool but in terms when when i read the word memorable the first one that cropped up was probably one of the worst produced streams and that is when my internet went down and i where i live is not the signal's not great so i had to get in my car um, (laughs) drive to the local supermarket and just sit in the car park just streaming on my phone trying to get my team locked in just because this is like 20 minutes before the deadline uh and then 
And like as I was streaming, like this is quite a narrow car park, and there's this car reversing. And honestly, they were so close to my car. I was like, <laughs> I think he's going to hit me. I think he's going to hit me. Luckily, they didn't. <laughs> um, but I think kind of people just seem to, as much as they don't get as many viewers, the people that do watch really like them because I, I'm not saying it's like I don't know if relatable is the right word, but I think we've all been in those positions where we're trying to make a last minute transfer and we yeah. haven't got signal or something. So it's kind of. You've been in that similar position. So that that was, um, yeah, that was a fun stream. But I definitely think, like most of the live streams I do, it's either straight after the game week's finished or deadline stream. And deadline streams are always more fun because if you get last-minute news or a sudden injury or last-minute transfer, it's just, yeah, always much more exciting. And I feel like you always get some these kind of tips in terms of, like, last-minute leaks. I don't know. I'm sure they're not always reliable, but... (laughs) <laughs> oh, there's all, yeah, it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to know whether to mention something. Is the person legit? If they're not legit, yeah. then I get like moaned at. So, yeah, yeah you've got a, if they've got, well, even if they've got a blue tick now, that doesn't matter because everyone's got one uh, yeah. if they pay for it. So yeah, it's getting a bit <laughs> trickier, but you try and work out what's legit or not. Yeah, indeed. Okay, a different kind of question. Is there maybe also something that people seem to misunderstand about you? Um, I don't think so. I, I couldn't really think of too much. I, I, a lot of people seem to think I'm a Liverpool fan mm-hmm. because <laughs> because I'm not negative about Liverpool players in FPL. And obviously, I've held Salah for ages. I'm still talking about getting Trent back and people don't seem to understand why that is unless I'm a Liverpool fan. But yeah, that is not true. I'm a Man United fan. I just, I guess with FPL, I just try and remain as, uh, as objective as kind of possible. But yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think so. Like, I think... I take FPL seriously enough to do videos, but I also just don't take it. I try not to take it too seriously at the same time. I, I, there's not really too much I think people misunderstand about me. I don't think. Oh, that's great. Okay, great. So yeah, let's uh, switch gears a bit. Let's talk about the current season. Um, how has it gone for you so far? And do you still have specific targets for this season? And I was also wondering, like, if you do have targets, like, do you still have a specific strategy or a specific plan in mind to to reach those targets? Yeah, it's quite interesting because I know um, a lot of conversation goes around now about what a good rank is, and and back yeah. in the day, it was always top ten thousand. Right. And as people rightfully point out now, that's getting much more difficult to consistently hit. So that shouldn't yeah. be the aim, but. I'm kind of old school in that regard. I always like hitting top 10K. And I've got top 10K the last two seasons. So this would be a hat trick. So that was the original aim. But I I think you have to readjust, basically, depending on how the start of the season goes. So up until until game week 26 wildcard, I was just hoping to get back into the top 100K by the end of the season because it just went really bad. But now I am back in the top 100k. I'm now thinking, well, top 50k is probably doable. So I think yeah. the the aim has kind of changed as uh, as the season has gone on. In terms of strategy, it's also interesting because over the last couple of years, I've done well. And I've always said to people, like, you don't need to chase differentials to climb up the right. ranks. Okay. And so this season, when I wasn't doing well, I stuck to that. Like, I, I don't feel like I've picked any players that I wouldn't if I was top 10k already. And I've still climbed up the ranks. So I, ca- I guess it's kind of nice to prove that that can, that can actually work. And I'll mm. probably continue doing that until closer to the end of, this, uh, end of the season. I think last one or two game weeks is when I really start trying to think, you know, is there an out-of-the-box bo- uh, out move that I should be looking at? But generally, mm. I just if the, if the move is obvious, I don't mind doing it. 
as, as boring as it might look to other people, that is just what I'll always do, even even towards the last few weeks of the season most of the time. Okay. Then I'm wondering, though, what metrics do you use to determine if it's a good FBL season for you? I mean, you mentioned about top 10K, but is it, you know, overall rank that makes you happy or thinking that it was a good season? Or maybe it was the winning that, you know, mini league that you have mentioned at the beginning? Or maybe your massive data rank if you're an analytics nerd or maybe your subscriber count. So how do you determine if it's a good FBL season for you? Yeah, it was, it was interesting that you mentioned subscriber count because I've never really tied that in with how good an FPL season is. But mm. I do look at that. So I guess I'm looking at what was a successful YouTube season and what was a successful uh, FPL season. So I do look at subscriber count, but I wouldn't... Like if I finished five, 600K and got a bunch of subscribers, I still probably wouldn't be quite happy about that. <laughs> I'd, I'd want to get yeah. a good rank finish mini league like that mini league i was in when i started not so many people are in there my i do have one with my close friends but we used to have money on the line but i basically won it too many times and so we're, <laughs> it's still there but there's no money on it anymore so uh... i'm not i'm not really that interested in mini leagues to be i know that sounds really bad because i've got my own one but to win my like let's talk fpl one you've almost got to win the whole thing there's so there's like over a hundred thousand people in it so it's, oh, yeah. it's almost impossible um, so, yeah, I would say overall rank. And like I said, top 10K is always the aim just because I like that. And, and as we know, that's four digits, not five. Right? So, <laughs> so, so, so yes. knows that. Yeah, um, it just looks nice on, on the on the game week history. Uh, but this season, I'll be happy with like top 50K or something like that. Uh, massive data rank. I've got to be honest. I don't even really know what that is. I see people talking <laughs> about that all the time. I'm not. I like analytics, but I'm not that much of a, uh, an analytics nerd, like you said. Yeah, and you were so ah. close to finishing ten thousand that last season. I was just hoping that that would happen. But <laughs> well, it's yeah, good to hear yeah. that I'm not the only one who always asks about massive data rank. So maybe you want to explain <laughs> it again, Rudolf. Yeah, massive data rank is basically um, ordering every player, uh, well, every play, every FBL player based on their predicted uh, point performance. So instead of getting points based on the actual FPL outcomes, you get ranked based on how many projected points you had with your selection of your team. And then FPL review is basically ranking everyone. So it is kind of a measure of how analytically you are playing right. uh, nowadays. So if you have a good massive data rank, point. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you always admire those people who are high in the massive data rank. I mean, I mean, it's, it's certainly a measure of how I mean okay. good you are playing in terms of uh, analytics. But yeah. yeah, you also need to get lucky to get a good massive data rank sometimes. Because I mean, if your players are constantly getting injured, injured, then sure. yeah, you will lose rank essentially. Your rank will drop. All right. Okay. Well, as we were talking about the current season, I think it's also a good moment to share how our previous game week went. Uh, as that's something we usually start with. So for me, I ended with 57 points, which I consider to be a good result, as I didn't have Haaland as captain. Um, so I think it means that overall my team did quite well to cover that gap, especially thanks to Rashford, uh, March, Kane. I did have Haaland, I just didn't captain him. And then my captain, Watkins, so yeah, we talked a bit earlier about going for differentials. I still try to do that sometimes. I think it's probably a, a trap I fall into too much, like this game week. Uh, you know, 
Watkins against Nottingham. I thought that was a good idea. I had to wait for quite long in the game until he scored the goal. So I was still happy with that, but not completing the result I hoped for. But actually, the decision that hurt me most was uh, leaving Martinelli on the bench, 13 points mm. sitting on the bench. And it's not the first time it happened. I had <laughs> Martinelli on the bench a few times before, so it seems I'm not learning my lesson with him. How was your game week sort of? Uh, I got 56 points, so my rank moved from 149k to 156, so pretty much stayed there on the same rank. Yeah. Well, Holland captaincy saved my game week on the other hand, just, you know, opposite to you. And, yeah. I mean, I'm hopeful for a last push towards higher ranks as we get closer to the end. I mean, I didn't think 100k was realistic, you know, towards mid-season because I was still around, like, 1 million. I stayed around that rank for a long time and Andy was just next to me and then he started climbing. So now that I'm close to 100k, I think that's my target. But um, how was your game week, Andy? Yeah, similar to both. I got 59 points total. I did have Harlan captain. I think I was on um, wildcard 26 of the... Harlan to Watkins, game week 28, and then Tony back to Harlan was the plan. And that worked out... I think better than anyone could have ever predicted, yeah. right? Watkins got 22 points and Harlem yeah. missed the Liverpool game. Then Tony missed yeah. the penalty. Like it was yes. too perfect. That that was variance. That was, po- as you'd say, yeah. like positive variance. True. But yeah. yeah, 59 points. The only, um, I guess, mistake that I made was playing Matoma ahead of March or, or Odegaard mm-hmm. ahead of March because they both blanked and March got seven. But in the grand scheme yeah. of things, I'm not going to worry too much about that. And I went from like 93k to like 91, so tiny green arrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was what I was thinking as well. I said I had Martinelli on the bench, but when I was making my team last week, I just didn't know who to put on the bench, you know, who the other player should be. In hindsight, it should have been Madison. Because they are dangerous. <laughs> ah, you couldn't bench points. Madison for Bournemouth at home, though, I don't think. Yeah, that yeah. was the thing, right? Playing Bournemouth at home. So, yeah, that's why I'm not too upset about having Martinelli. It's just, you know, I did have Saka. So, you know, made the wrong bet there. I, I took Saka instead of Martinelli. Mm-hmm. But next time I'll uh, I'll switch it around. <laughs> All right. That was uh, the previous game week. But more importantly, let's look ahead to game week 31 and the following game weeks. Sort up. can you talk us through the optimal team? Yeah, this is something that we do regularly, Andy. So we talk about optimal wildcard team for the you know visible horizon, now that we are able to see until the end of the season. I will talk about three different teams. The first one is just optimal wildcard 31 team. The second one is with free, free hit in 32. And then the third one will be free hit in game week 34. So optimal wildcard 31 team is uh, we have Ederson in goal, Gabriel... Alexander-Arnold, Zinchenko, and Trippier in defense. Saka, McAllister, Mitoma, Salah in midfield. We have Solanke and Haaland in forward. And in the bench, we have Iverson, Botman, Vinicius, and Madison. <laughs> Madison appears again. <laughs> there he is, yes. And with the free hit 32, the team is somewhat similar. It is... Uh, Ederson in goal, Alexander-Arnold, uh, Botman, Martinez, uh, Pedro Porro in defense, McAllister, Mitoma, Salah, Fernandez in midfield, and we have Haaland and Kane, so it is trimium. Um, and then in the bench right. we have Iverson, Dunk, uh, 
uh, Edward and Bailey. And yeah, that's pretty much the team. And then for the free hit 34, the team changes a little bit. So I think this is the cheapest goalkeeper combination I have ever seen. So it is still <laughs> in the goal. And we have Gabriel, Alexander-Arnold, Pedro Porro in defense, Odegaard, Saka, McAllister, Salah in midfield, and Solanke, Holland, Kane in forward. And in the bench we have Iverson, Botman, Andreas, and Byrne. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Maybe shall we also take a quick look at uh, the recommended changes towards game week 34? I think a, a lot of people are having game week 34 in mind with mm-hmm. a lot of double game weeks to to know, you know, who they should who they should get in. Yeah, so the optimal team with the free hit 32, I mean, I can talk about the yeah, the top one if you want. Yeah. So so if you're wildcarding now or like if like we have enough game weeks to actually make the transfers that that can maximize the expected value you get out of from the game week 34, but the with the optimal 31 team I have mentioned in the beginning, it is it has Ederson, Dunk, Alexander-Arnold, Trippier, Saka, McAllister, Mitoma, Salah, Rashford, Haaland, and Vinicius. So in this team, the only players that has a single game week is Trippier against Southampton. And we, mm-hmm. also, we have Saka against Chelsea at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, but we can also talk about the free hit 34. I think that's more, more interesting. Right. And it is, uh, <laughs> again, Ederson in goal. Uh, mm-hmm. And we have Dunk, Alexander-Arnold, Stones in defense, McAllister, Mitoma, Salah, Fernandez, Rashford in midfield, and we have Darwin and Holland uh, as our forwards. So, yeah, everyone is doubling in this team, and then the Salah is the captain here. Salah captain. All right, thanks. And I think we're still waiting for some Rashford injury news, right? Yeah. I was checking the prediction data. It looks like, I mean, it assumes that Rashford will be available by the game week 34. But, I mean, if yeah. he's not, then obviously this will change. Yeah. It's an important one to decide if we keep him on our bench or whether we transfer mm-hmm. him out. All right. Um, thanks, Sirtop. Is there anything that stood out to you, Andy, while Sirtop was going through these uh, plans, these options? And maybe yeah, one thing, uh, yeah, one thing specifically to have your thoughts about is the Manchester City options because I think a lot of people now have City in their minds. And uh, you know, who are the favorite three players from from your perspective? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out is it's very hard to get away from bloody Edison. Honestly, that, <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm I'm thinking about buying him this week. That'd be the third time this oh. season I've used a transfer on him, and it hasn't gone well either the other two times. So I'm a little bit skeptical, but I I understand why he's in there. One player that stood out from those um, optimal teams was Pedro Porin, someone I haven't really yeah. considered, but I kind of get why he's so cheap. Good fixtures after 34, and good yeah. fixture this week. So yeah, if uh, if Chilwell gets injured tonight. Maybe I'll have to uh, think about that. Um, In terms of uh, Man City options like um, Grealish or Mares, for example, it's quite funny because when the team came out last night for the Bayern Munich game, everyone was like, well, Mares isn't starting, therefore he's nailed for game week 31. I looked at it as though that's a first choice 11 that's gone out tonight and Mares isn't in it. 
So I, I think yeah. if you're choosing a Man City midfielder right now, it has to be Grealish. I don't think there's okay. um, any doubts around that. Even if Mahrez starts this week, you're not going to be able to guarantee that going forward. And I think until Foden's back, Grealish is basically nailed, which I know is you shouldn't say about a Pep Guardiola player, but I think he is. I don't think anyone else is going to play on that left side. Um, I think favorite three players right now. I think I, I'm really not liking the idea of not having Salah in my team at the moment. Yeah. I think the fixtures for Liverpool, there isn't a bad game week for Liverpool now until the end of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, he's missed two penalties, but I think he's going to keep them. I don't think they're going to go to someone else. So I think he's going to be just as good going forward as he has been. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure about captaining him in game week 34 when Haaland is around, but we'll discuss that closer to the time. Um, obviously, you've got to have Haaland at the moment. After yeah. that, it's, it's quite tricky to name who the who I think is like the best third player right now. I guess it has to be a Brighton midfielder. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd probably stick to Matoma because I just find him so exciting to watch. But yes. if, if yes. McAllister keeps playing number ten, it's hard to hard to go against him. I just had that slight worry at some point for the end of the season. Bearing in mind the time we really want Brighton players is thirty three to thirty eight now. Um, I don't know. Could could Lallana be back at some point and make that, you know, McAllister a worse move? I'm hoping so because I don't own him. But uh, all yeah. right, probably those. All right, but you're right. Mitoma looks really exciting. I agree. Yeah, yeah, and Salah. Salah is on my mind. I don't have him, and I guess the only way I can get him is selling team. But I'm not yeah, I think that's the same that. position. That's the same position I'm in. I think a lot of people. I think it just can't be done this week. Not with Bournemouth at home, no. unfortunately. <laughs> No, indeed. All right. Well, this was great already. Um, before we end, Sir Tom and I have two final questions for you, Andy. And here's mine. Uh, it's more, again, on the con- con- content production side of things. Uh, do you think there are too many FPL content producers or is there still space <laughs> for everyone? And would you have any advice for any starting content producers out there? Yeah, I, I don't... <laughs> I don't think that, I mean, it would be very hypocritical for me to say there's too many, right, for a start. But I don't think you can ever say that. If if you're creating content and people are watching it, listening to it, or consuming it, then surely, by definition, that's not too many. Because if there was, no one would be watching and listening, right? So yeah. I don't think you can say there's too many. Like, I think sometimes people feel like they have to consume every bit of content going uh, and mm. it's just impossible these days. So you just pick what you yeah. like, maybe rotate yeah. things a little bit. You don't have to listen, um, you know, you don't have to listen to me every week and go and listen to someone else every week, etc. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think there's too many. I get why people say that, but not only are content producers getting more, there's also more people playing the game, right? And people have different right. um things they want to listen or different people they want to listen to or different types of content and stuff like that so i don't think it's really a massive problem um what was the other thing oh yeah Any, anyone that's starting uh one just start because too many people <laughs> say they're going to start and they worry about every little detail about what could go wrong uh my i think this is hard by the way because there's other stuff i would like to do and i just I haven't started it yet but um you will be bad when you start and you can just get better uh, you're not going to have like a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand people watching you at the start. So it doesn't matter how bad it is. You can just get better as you do it more and more. Like practice ultimately makes perfect. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I would do it because you actually want to do it and because you like it. Like if you're setting up a piece of content because you think it's going to be a full time job, there is obviously a route to that, but it takes a lot of time. Maybe it's quicker now than it was when I started, but it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of people that do this won't ever be able to do it as a full-time job because no. it's just not how it works, unfortunately. So you have to enjoy doing it. If you're setting it up because you think in a year's time you're going to be quitting your job, it's I think, one, it's very unlikely, and two, uh, it won't be as fun and you probably won't want to stick to no. it. I think most people that do well at it, they just do it because they would do it even if it was not making any money, you know? Right. That's why we are doing it, right, Sir Dov? Yeah. Exactly, for the love of it, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. Even though we did get some uh, manscaped equipment. We didn't... <laughs> we didn't oh, oh, yeah. Regarding manscaped, I should say this. So. Yeah, we'll talk about that one again in the next episode. <laughs> okay, okay. So, But I just need to mention it here. So the... I, so they sent the equipments to Bas, and then he was supposed to send, you know, my equipments to me. And I ne I have never received it, so I'm just laughing that Bas is still, you know, keeping those and maybe using it. No, you know, no, no. It's one on mission on one side and the other mission on the other side, probably. <laughs> okay. Um, my final question is this to you, Andy. And we get this question a lot, so I will ask you about it. Um, as a person starting with non-analytical play and slowly transitioning over, what would you recommend to anyone who's interested in incorporating analytics into their FPL decision-making but don't know where to start? Um, I, I think I would start with the basics. Like I know there's a lot to analytics in football in general, but I think you can pretty much get away with just expected data, both you know, expected goals, expected assists for a player, and then expected goals conceded for a team. I think that will get you by the most part. So just start with that. Mm -hmm. And I would say um, apply it consistently. So don't kind of, if you really want to use analytics kind of more full time, then they need to be applied consistently, right? So, yeah. you know, if, if a player you want doesn't look great on the data and you've decided to use data, you should probably ignore them and just see how it goes. And I also think you've got to do it over kind of a season you can't decide after 10 weeks well i chose the high xg guys and they haven't scored therefore i'm going to switch because as we know it doesn't it's not a perfect science right just because yeah. someone has good numbers doesn't mean they're gonna um, always score it'd be great if it did work like that but unfortunately it doesn't um and yeah I, and I, I guess when it comes to applying consistently it's just not using different stats for different things we see it quite mm. often this player's got you know high xg in the last six game weeks and then but this player's got high expected assists over the last 12 they're two different pieces of data you're applying over two different time frames. So you need to kind of, yeah, start consistently. And then build up from that. And I would also say ask questions. Like I I think mm. I basically I know next to nothing really about analytics. But if I don't understand, I would just ask someone a question. And uh, mm. I think people don't do that enough. That's basically how I started and just go from there. And obviously follow more analytic people because that will usually help. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great advice in general in life. Ask questions. <laughs> if you're not sure about something, don't hesitate to ask. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. I think that covers it for today. Um, anything you still wanted to add, Sir Top or Andy? No, nothing from my side. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Uh, I'll wrap it up then. This was the FPL Optimized Podcast episode number 41 with our special guest today, Andy, also known as Let's Talk FPL. Thanks everyone for listening and best of luck with your Game Week 31 decisions. We will be back with another episode next week. You can subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is out and you can also follow us on Twitter. 
for Surtop, it's at Surtop below. And for me, it's at Belfi BB. And for Andy, it's at Let's Talk underscore FPL. Enjoy the rest of the week and talk to you next time. Bye-bye.